Amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, find Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. Let me just say how thankful I am for our uh, ministry teams here, whether it's the worship team or the kids team or the hospitality team. And if you are not plugged in on any of these teams, I'm sure any of these team leads would love to have you. whether it be on the worship team or, in, or serving in kids once a month or in the nursery or beyond. And so if you want to get connected with any of that, you can see me or see one of our ministry leads, and we'd love to get you uh, connected in one of these places of service. And before we dive in and read uh, what will end up being kind of a long section of Scripture, I want to say that today we're going to encounter a family in dysfunction, Two brothers will be feuding, their mother's going to be scheming, and the dad just wants to get something to eat. (laughs) And maybe you find yourself with a dysfunctional family on Mother's Day. (laughs) And I want you to see that through Genesis 27, uh, that God in the midst of it all is going to show himself faithful. So we're going to commit ourselves to what Paul says Paul commands Timothy, commit yourself to the public reading of Scripture. So that's what I want us to do. So we're going to actually begin reading in chapter 26, verse 34, where we left off last week, and read all the way to the end of chapter 27 together to get the whole context of what's going on, and then we'll, we'll dive in and look at this together. So look at chapter 26, verse 34. And the Word of God says... When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Bere the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemith, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it. Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare, so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves." And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall be seen to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. 
Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, his older son, which were, in her ho- which were in her house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God has granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father, and he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled violently, very violently, and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, behold, I have made him Lord over you and all his brothers I have given to him for servants and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also. 
O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his family had blessed him. And Esau said to him, The days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother, in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? This is the word of God. So as you've probably figured out, today's sermon is not a typical light and fluffy Mother's Day message, right? In fact, today's passage could really be compared to an episode of Dr. Phil or one of those other daytime dramas that you might find, right? And in Genesis 27, we see a true family feud, a lesson not in how to build a godly family, but in how to destroy your family and ruin your life. In fact, here's your central point this morning. Disaster comes when we choose our way over God's way. Disaster comes when we choose our way over God's way. And every member of this family had a role to play in this wild tale. Each character should grab our attention, particularly for how each of them contribute to the overall family mess. So let's start first with Esau. Particularly, let's see Esau's rebellious marriage. Esau's rebellious marriage. Marriage. Chapter 26 ends and transitions into chapter 27 with two brief verses about Esau, but they tell us a lot about him. Look what we're told, verse 34. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Bere, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemith, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Now, there are two problems here. First, Notice that Esau took two wives. That's, that's a problem, right? While you never see a direct command in Genesis not to marry two wives, Genesis is pretty clear in the way that, I, that it condemns polygamy. Think about Genesis 1 and 2. When it speaks about marriage as God created it to be, it's that God created one man and one woman and put them together with no room for a second wife. Or think about Genesis chapter 4. We're introduced to a guy named Lamech, and he was the first person to ever take two wives. And if you look at the line of Lamech and the way Genesis 4 speaks about him, it's not presenting him to us as godly examples. Lamech and his family 
were a people of worldly success, but ungodliness in their legacy. And Esau was following after Lamech's example. But Esau also was following Cain's example. Did you notice in verse 41 of chapter 27? Look what it said about Esau. Now, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said of himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Did you see that? Cain and Esau were very similar. In fact, both of them desired to kill their brothers out of envy. So Esau here is following the path of wickedness through hatred like Cain and through polygamy like Lamech. Esau is not a guy you want to model your life after. This is why, this is why Christian parents don't name their newborn son Esau, right? This is why. But also notice that the polygamy, yes, was an issue, but notice who his wives were. Notice that it says that these were Hittite Women And the, the issue here isn't that they were of a certain race or of a certain nation. That's not the issue. It had to do with their faith. These people were not people who had trusted in the promise that Abraham had been given. Think about back in Genesis 24, Abraham made his servant swear to find a wife for Isaac and not to go from the Canaanites, but from his own tribe. Find someone who believed God's promise and who had faith in the God of Abraham. And yet Esau chose to go his own way, not once, but twice. He said, I don't care about having a faithful wife who loves the same God that I do. I want what I want. Esau put his own individual happiness ahead of God's promise and precept. He thought, as, as, as I think we're tempted to believe in our culture today, that the purpose of his life was his own happiness and that the world revolved around that. And friends, this is the idea you see in so many Disney movies and TikTok videos. Don't they tell you to follow your heart? Go follow your heart. Express whoever you are and don't let anyone tell you what to do or try to tell you who you are. And friends, Esau believed this long before it was cool. Esau was thousands of years ahead of his time and look what it caused in his life. He not only ended up rejecting God's promise, but he ends up making life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Little side application here. Don't believe for a moment that your decisions don't impact other people. Don't believe for a second that your relationships don't impact other people. So many pursue after relationships, whether dating or marriage, for their own happiness alone. But who you spend your life with will impact far more than, than simply you. You don't, and, and I think married people here understand this, you don't simply marry a person, you marry into a family. And so think about that, because if you can marry into crazy, right? You can marry into, you may not have married crazy, but everyone around him is, right? And so Esau's rebellious marriage impacted the whole family, didn't it? Disaster came when he chose his own way over God's way. But Esau isn't the only drama in the family. Let's look at, at Rebecca now and consider Rebecca's rogue plot. Rebecca's rogue plot. 
Look how chapter 27 opens up. Look how chapter 27 opens up. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older brother, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may, so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, We're going to get to Isaac in a bit because this whole setup really shouldn't be the way you should set up blessing your sons, right? But we're going to get to him in a second. Let's notice what Rebecca was doing this whole time. Verse 5. Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So she's hidden away somewhere listening into this, eavesdropping in. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves, and you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. Rebecca has a plan and a plot, doesn't she? Jacob, go get me some meat. Let me cook up the food just as he likes it so that he's gonna give the blessing to you and not to Esau. See, Rebecca knew, and it's something we've been seeing. We've been going verse by verse, section by section through the book of Genesis. Rebecca knew the word that God had spoken regarding these children while they were still in the womb. Consider uh, Genesis 25, 23. We looked at this a few weeks ago. That the Lord said to her, being Rebecca, that two nations are in your womb, two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And so we see that Esau was born, and he's the older, stronger brother. But God said that Jacob, the weaker and the younger brother would receive the promise that Esau would end up serving Jacob, that these two men and ultimately these two nations were going to be in constant conflict, which I think we see in Genesis 27, right? And sadly, we find that the parents, even in light of these promises, chose favorites. Consider Genesis 25, 27. Look at this. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. So Esau was the one who liked to go out, he liked to hunt, he liked to be outdoors, while Jacob was more of a home, more of a homebody and spent more time with his mom. And so here we see Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Here's the application it, sh- it doesn't matter whether one child is more gifted than the other or if they're more like you than the other. Both of these parents should have given them the same love and attention. They should have showed and loved their uniqueness and cultivated it, not chosen one over the other. They should not have let the news of God's favor lead to favoritism. They said, well, God's going to show favor to one son over the other, so... 
I'm going to show my favoritism to one over the other. No, no, no. Their job should be to love them both and let God sort out the rest. But sadly, we see that Isaac favored Esau because he was a skillful hunter and a fantastic cook. And then we're told Rebekah, full stop, loved Isaac. Isaac was Rebekah's favorite. And this should tell us not to let circumstances or skills or even God's favor lead us to favoritism, to love children as they are uniquely but equally. And we need to hear this also. This for Isaac and Rebekah wasn't simply a parenting issue. This was a faith issue. Rebekah knew God's promise, but she felt she needed to help him along a little bit. It's like, God, I know you said you're going to give the blessing to this son. Let me, let me help you out. And Abraham, her father-in-law, did this too, right? With, with, hey, he was struggling to have that child with Sarah. So he's like, let me just bring another woman into the picture and we'll solve this, right? Friends, we don't need to help God along. And disaster came when she chose her way over God's way. Now, in the midst of all of this, Jacob asks a really good question. Look at this. Genesis 27, verse 11. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon him and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and bring them to me. We learn in the book of Genesis that Esau was a big, red, hairy guy. But Jacob wasn't like that. And though Isaac couldn't see him, Jacob said, I mean, he can feel me and I don't feel like Sasquatch, right? I don't feel like this big, hairy guy. And so what if he feels me and feels I'm not Esau? And so Rebecca has a plan for that too. Look at verse 14. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared the delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garment of Esau, her older son, which were with him in the house, and put it on Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of a young goat she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of her son, Jacob. So Rebecca goes to Esau's closet, pulls out his best camo and his hunting gear, and he covers his open skin with goat hair. Imagine how hairy this guy must have been, <laughs> right? And he says, Isaac's never going to know. And so Jacob's given the food, and he's sent in, and here is where Jacob begins to become completely complicit in all of this. He really should have begun to argue with his mom at some point about this or maybe thought of a different plan or, or refused. But Rebecca does this, does this rogue plot, and now we move here to Jacob's rotten compliance. Jacob's rotten compliance. Jacob has a part to play in all of this. And so he's got the food. He's got Esau's clothes on. He's got the hair of a goat on him. So, I mean, you can imagine this guy sneaking in here, right? And I don't want us to miss the tension. If there were a soundtrack behind this, the music would get soft and it would be sort of the tension would be building because think about it. What if he gets caught? 
What if Isaac finds out? What if Esau happens to come home early in the midst of all of this? Look at verse 18. So he went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it you found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near, that I may feel you, my son, to know, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him and said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, Bring it near to me, that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him. And he ate and brought him wine, and he drank. Did you notice during all of that as that built up? Uh huh. Mm hmm. There you go. She did. So there's your lesson. Women, you're smart. That's what we learn, right? That's, that's an application. Right? Did you notice as Jacob comes in here? Did you notice as Jacob comes in here, how many lies he had to tell? This seemed real harmless at first. This seemed like, oh, that's just one little sin that we'll do here. And it turned into a whole mess for Jacob, whose name, if you didn't know, literally means deceiver. And he begins to live up to his name. He lied in verse 19 and 24 when he said he was Esau when he wasn't. He also lied by saying he did what he was told to do by Isaac when really Rebecca did most of the work, didn't she? And then notice verse 20. This is so interesting. Isaac asked how he got the game killed, cooked, and ready so fast. And friends, this was 4,000 years ago. You've got to think about this. You've got to imagine getting your game killed brought home, skinned, and cooked in days before guns, cars, electricity, and all the other technology that could help you. He gets it done quick. And Jacob's response is, because the Lord your God granted me success. He's brought the Lord into this. (laughs) Don't do that. He didn't just lie. Now he's taking the Lord's name in vain, connecting him and his blessing to dishonesty and deceit. And so Jacob went right along with the program. And so on this Mother's Day, let me say, we should be thankful for godly women with godly advice. But this was one of those cases where mother didn't know best. (laughs) He should not have gone along with her wisdom. And he probably saw, I think, a little bit the benefit for himself in this too. He shouldn't have gone along with this. Did you see too, as you read through Rebecca's sort of dialogue, she says, it's very interesting how many times she says, obey my voice. Do as I commanded. She's speaking as as the Lord would speak here. And in the process, as he's obeying her voice instead of obeying God's voice, this is going to wreck this whole family for the rest of their life. 
is going to be destroyed from this one uh, mishap, this one situation here. And so Jacob and Rebecca are at fault, but I think we need to give some attention to Mr. Isaac, to the patriarch, don't we? Let's look now at Isaac's reckless blessing. Isaac's reckless blessing. Look at this. Because Isaac isn't innocent in the midst of all of this either. Sure, he's sick, and he's blind, and he really wants something to eat. (laughs) And he presents himself as near death, but we come to learn he's going to live another 20 years beyond this. He probably, some of you women would understand, he probably just has a head cold, right? That's what he's acting. I'm near death. Bring this to me, right? But notice, but notice, he makes the blessing contingent on a meal he gets from Esau. What kind of father does that? I'm going to give you everything, Esau, but you got to go on the grill one more time and make that the way I like it. And the thing is, is Rebecca could have easily made that same thing just as he liked it. He didn't necessarily need Esau to do it, right? And so, and even knowing God's word, Jacob knew God's destiny for these two boys. He wanted to give his blessing to Esau. And it displays his favoritism and his unbelief. Look at verse 26. Look at this. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and he kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and the nations bow down to you. But Lord, be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. I like that. They're the mother's sons in that circumstance, aren't they? Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So Isaac here is combining the blessings that were promised to Abraham and the word God spoke over the sons. And he thinks he's speaking them over Esau, even though they were supposed to go to Jacob. What unbelief, what preference. He's saying, God, I know you promised to do this for Jacob, but I want it for Esau. I want it my way. And yet God, God's so awesome. In his sovereignty, he uses even the scheme of Rebekah to get the blessing in the right place. <laughs> now look what happens. Esau returns, verse 30. We're almost done with this story, but there's some interesting things to see here. Look at this, verse 30. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out of the presence of Isaac, his father, he books it out of there, Right? Isaac, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of my son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Isaac. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it. Before you came, I've blessed him. And yes, he, will, he shall be blessed. As soon as Isaac heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, 
Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? Jacob, again, means cheater or deceiver, for he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright. You can look at that in chapter 26, 25 and 26. And now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, behold, I have made him Lord over you. And all his brothers I have given to him as for his servants. And with grain and wine I've sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? So Isaac acts as he's just an innocent victim. And he had nothing to do with this whole situation. This isn't his fault, right? And he even reflects and blames Jacob for the situation he created. Jacob, or isn't Isaac in so many ways like Adam? He sins with food, and then he begins to deflect the blame to everyone else. Even almost going, how, hey, this is, this is your, my, your brother's fault and your mother's fault, but man, this isn't my fault. And Isaac should have never set up the whole food for blessing situation anyway, right? He's reaping what he sowed. Just like we saw with Abraham, don't go to Egypt and be surprised when you encounter a pharaoh. Don't set up this sort of situation and then be surprised when it goes wrong for you, right? And it gets worse. Esau comes asking for a blessing, anything his dad can do, and his dad goes, sorry, can't help you, Look at verse 38. Look at this. Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of the heaven on high by your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. What kind of blessing is that. He doesn't even get a participation trophy. He gets a curse. (laughs) And this curse is going to play out in the life of Esau and in the history of his nation. Edom, he gets the short end of the stick, cursing rather than blessing. Jacob has stolen his birthright and his blessing. And not only did this happen because his mother helped him, but he gets no consolation or help from his father. I feel kind of bad for Esau right? And this causes family issues for decades to come. Look now, we finish it in verse 41. The chapter closes this way. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the day of mourning for my father, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother, and Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away. This is interesting. Until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done. She's like, he's going to get over it, right? Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? Then look at Rebecca's response. This just blows my mind. Rebecca said to Isaac, not sorry, babe, I lied to you. Sorry, babe, I had a role to play in this. She says, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women 
If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? So in the midst of all this, Esau hates Jacob, and there's going to be an ongoing conflict in their life. Esau wants him dead, and Jacob has to flee, and neither of them are are ever going to see their parents again. And both of the parents, in an effort to favor a certain son, lose both of them. And the mother, in the midst of all of this, is only concerned about Jacob getting married and not marrying someone like Esau married. What a mess. (laughs) What a mess. No concern for a family broken apart and all of this because they chose their own way over God's way. But in the midst of this family drama, I want us to see one final character at work. There is one final character that's always at work in the pages of Scripture, whether he is directly mentioned or not, right? God himself was at work. And we see, finally, God's relentless faithfulness. God's relentless faithfulness. Did you notice, through all of this, God kept his word? Even with the sin of the whole family and this whole mess, God kept his word. The destiny he spoke over these children was going to go just as he said he would. He said Jacob was going to get the blessing. And here it is. Even as Isaac tried to scheme and blessing try, and, and, and Rebecca tried to scheme, consider this in Isaiah 46, 9 and find comfort in this. Remember the former days of old, for I am God And there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. God's purpose stands. His plan and purpose is accomplished. Proverbs 19.21, fantastic verse to memorize that I think sort of sums up what's going on here. Many are the plans in the mind of a man or the mind of a mother, like Rebecca, right? But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Isn't that good news that, friends, you can't thwart God's plan? You can't screw it up enough that he can't make what he intended to happen, happen. Friends, if you could thwart God's plan, you'd be God. And I've been practicing every morning, waking up and starting my prayer life going, God, I am not you. Life is not about me. Your sin hasn't blown God's purpose for your life or for the universe. Praise God. The sins of you if you're a parent and you look at your life and you're like, I did all these things wrong for this to happen. No, hear me. God's purpose comes to pass. And friends, you can't blow what he's going to do in the universe. And don't be so so short-sighted to see a rough patch in your child's life as as the rest of their life. You don't know the end from the beginning, but God does. And friends, the sins of our leaders cannot dethrone God, no matter how much they might try to do so. And as mysterious as it is, Genesis 27 displays that God remains sovereign even over evil. Look at Genesis 50, 20, that's a banner over the whole book of Genesis. Look what this says. 
This is Joseph speaking, but he says, What you, man, intended for evil, God intended for good. What Rebecca intended for evil, God intended for good. What Jacob intended for evil, God has ordained for good. See God's relentless, sovereign, absolute control over everything. And that's why he can remain faithful to the word he spoke. Nothing in all of creation, whether done by you or done to you, ever takes God by surprise. All things come from him. And this is meant to produce, and I pray it does more in me, because I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself this too. I pray it produces in us an anxiety-free, hopeful, faith-filled life. And that's what Genesis 27 is supposed to produce in you. Is it producing that in you? Doesn't it lead us to choose God's way over our own? Because let me tell you, in the cosmic sense, God will always get his way. There's a day coming when, when our prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven will be answered. And friends, when God returns and recreates the whole world, hear me, his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He will get his way. That's right. Praise God, right? Let me close with one last illustration of God's relentless faithfulness. I want you to consider the cross of Jesus Christ. There, wicked men chose their own way, wrongly convicted and crucified Jesus Christ, the God-man, and yet behind even their own wickedness was God's plan at work. Behind that was God's plan at work. Look at this in Peter's sermon on the day at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Look at this. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that you did through him in your midst, as you yourself know. See this. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Friends, God's sovereignty and human responsibility both clearly displayed. Friends, Spurgeon, when, when Charles Spurgeon, when asked, what, how do you reconcile God being absolutely sovereign and man being absolutely responsible? And he says, I don't try to reconcile good friends. In other words, he says, they're both there. So I believe both of them, that God is absolutely in control, but that we are absolutely responsible, that even darkness can break forth eternal life and light, that God can use sin sinlessly in a way that would ultimately destroy sin itself. God has sorted the whole thing out. And friends, he still is sorting all things out. In the world, God displayed his power, his sovereignty, his faithfulness, and his love through coming to earth, dying on the cross in the person of Jesus, and rising again on the third day to declare that God's purpose was accomplished. Even death couldn't thwart the plan of God. His plan was done, and he did it for you. If you're not a Christian today, you can have your sins forgiven and have a rock-solid confidence that all of your life will end in glory by placing your faith in the cross and in the empty tomb of a glorious Savior who emptied death of its power. 
and even the schemes of a mother, the deception of a brother, the recklessness of a father, or the envy of a brother. None of it can stop his glorious plan. For all of us, we need to be reminded of Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, you are good. You are kind. And Lord, we're thankful that you hold the universe and that no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever take us out of your hand. That you hold the world and you hold us in your hands, in your plan, in your purposes. Let's not judge your purposes by the moment that we're in, but let's trust you because you know the end from the beginning and your counsel shall stand. May those of us who are trying to thwart you and wrestle and fight with you lay down our arms today and trust you and recognize that you know better than we do that you are God and we are not. And Lord, I pray that if anyone here doesn't know you, that we would lay down, they would lay down their life today and pick up their cross as you say and follow after you. You say in order to follow after you, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow you. And may they do that today by the power of your spirit. But may we all be encouraged and strengthened and unafraid Because you hold the world, all of it, in the palm of your hand. We ask and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now stand and sing with us, please. search the world but it couldn't fill me a man's empty praise treasures that pay are never enough then you came along and put me back together Cause the God of the mountain
nothing that could stop him or his plan. He will accomplish his purposes. Let me close our service with a blessing from God's word. This from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.